The Origins Of is a podcast about ancient wisdom, crazy myths, everyday objects, and overall the creativity and innovation of early man. Join Jesse and Olivia as we delve into the why behind everyday origins. I'm Olivia. And I'm Jesse. And today we are going to be talking about letters in a sense um the alphabet, the alphabet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and keyboard yeah like the order and arrangement of them and i had a panic moment because we <gasps> talked about this a few weeks ago we and did. I, I texted you about it i has i had done all this research on keyboards and i was like wait i can't remember what she's doing oh my gosh did i study the right thing did she <laughs> study keyboards and i was supposed to research something else and um and then you're like no it's keyboards yeah a little backstory we um were luckily invited to um a how stuff works kind of party where we got to meet a lot of the podcast party yeah podcast party uh we got to meet a lot of the people (laughs) um and we got like a a tip that they might be doing some podcast recording at this event and jesse and i really wanted to be um on our toes and like what if you know they ask for like an impromptu podcast and but let's let's go ahead and have an episode but we got the tip like two hours before we we were supposed to be at the event so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like at work. Yeah, like, I know. So I printed off all this research and had it and we like we read it like an hour before. And then it turns out that the um, podcast experience was actually a question booth that if you live in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm not sure if they're still doing it. but They, they are. They're advertising oh, it on awesome. How Stuff Works podcast. So if you live in Atlanta, Georgia, head over to Pond City Market. This is not an advertisement for How Stuff Works. We're not we affiliated like with them, them in any way. <laughs> <laughs> they have a, um, a really cool question booth where, you know, everyday people can go in and, and answer a question. And um, the first one that Jesse and I answered was what? Well, was the meaning of life and it was pretty mm-hmm. intense but it was not our topic it was not what we had researched <laughs> it was that still day. really fun though <laughs> it was it was very fun but since we had all of that um fodder i guess for an yeah. episode we, and uh, olivia somehow managed to find some quick research on keyboards without actually reading it like she was like here i found this research i didn't read any of it <laughs> I just copied, I just saw articles and I copied and pasted and put them. I was like, here you go, here you go, here you go. It was, it was truly impressive. Um, But I will be talking about the keyboard today and I have researched it now. (laughs) More in depth. Um, So I'm going to give you some backstory on that. And uh, I think it's a really, really fascinating subject when we think about the things that are ingrained in our culture, which I'll talk about. So the earliest documented typing devices were not manufactured for commercial use. The first patent for a typing machine was was issued in London in 1714, but there's actually no evidence that this machine was constructed or sold. So if it, so there's a patent for it, but if it was ever made or sold, we don't have record of of wow. it being created or any of them that have survived. 1714. Um, 14 that is old. Um but much later, 1808, another typing machine was patented to Pellegrino Turi in Italy, uh, notably to, quote, allow the blind to write. Mm. Um, and there was another notable typo writer in 1829, and it was circular. And so there's pictures you can look up the typo writer, and it was circular. And it was definitely not efficient. Arguably, that one was more for just a legible standardized writing um, but not for efficiency. So those are all early typing machines, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is because obviously printing presses were happening with like, you know, where you have the typeset. Mm-hmm. But this was for like a person to type something up, right? But what's confusing about it is that none of these, like I mentioned, the one wasn't even possibly ever even made. None of them were um, public, um, were 
mass produced, uh, mass produced mm-hmm. and and none of them really gained much traction like the public wasn't interested basically um so we have this whole long period from 1829 to 1870 where we have a few more devices that are patented and some of them make it into pro- um, commercial production a, a little bit but like they weren't very mainstream so we have this whole you know they've existed but it's really not until eight the 1870s or late 1868 that we have one dude and his friends and they're going to create the the typewriter as we know it in fact they're the ones credited with the Ooh. term typewriter um and they also are the ones who made the qwerty keyboard Really? So, what was that date again? That's 1868. That is much older than I would have. Well, I guess not for a typewriter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, well, I'll I'll, I'll talk about it because pretty much between 68 and 78 was the development of like what we know today as like a typewriter. Wow. When we think of it, and that's where Cordy came um, from. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm, I'm interested. So basically, there's a lot of misinformation actually about Cordy. Um, which I'll talk about. I'll kind of unpack some of that. And that's what I love when we find a myth. <laughs> that's our job <laughs> yeah. in our podcast is to dispel myths. Um, but basically, everyone can agree that it developed alongside the early typewriters. There's just some argument about that. The whole myth around um, he p- moved the keys around so that they wouldn't um, jam the keyboard. Oh, that's the, a the myth? Type- yeah so like i would have thought that was perfectly acceptable reasoning um well well it's it's yes it's like very sticky it's a very sticky we love to tell mm-hmm. that story yeah um but it's prop like pretty much been debunked wow mm-hmm. so um his name is christopher latham shoals and the popular theory is that the arrangement of the keys when he built this cordy typewriter um the arrangement of the keys had the frequently occurring pairs jamming up the machinery due to being near one another on the machine. So like a TH, for example, or an HE, for example. And the theory is that that he wanted to slow down typists, right? So like if they, as opposed to them just being in alphabetical order across the, the mm-hmm. you know, the span of the machine, he moves them around in a various order in theory to make it, to slow everyone down, to make it harder to jam up the machine because mm. a T and an H are now going to be further apart. Makes sense. However, <clears throat> the <laughs> arrangement of E and R, which is the fourth most common letter pairing, quickly debunks that because E and R are literally right next to each other. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to backtrack just for a moment and talk about the origins of this first typewriter. Okay. And then I'll talk to you more about QWERTY. Awesome. Right. Because that's not true. <laughs> um so <laughs> he uh this first machine that they um that Scholes was creating was in the 1860s and it was patented in 1868 and it had 28 keys arranged alphabetically um and resembling a piano. Oh so it was arranged alphabetically at first. In, in the 1868 one okay. and then by 1878 it was officially QWERTY. Wow. Um but there's also something significant about that in 1868 um Scholes and his friends they were trying to get this typewriter, you know, sold, um, sold mm-hmm. um, commercially available. And um, they needed to partner with a machinery company to basically get it mm-hmm. sold right. more frequently. So um, this is, I think, feel like pretty famous if you think about it, but I didn't really realize this. But Remington, who made guns, mm-hmm. they were finishing up the Civil War. So they were looking to diversify their... Um, 
machinery that they mm-hmm. made. And so they partnered with <gasps> Scholes and his friends. Really? And they're the ones that created. So by 1878, we have the Remington QWERTY keyboard typewriter. I did not know that, actually. Me, wow. me neither. That's what I'm saying. That's I was like, oh, when you think about it, yeah, that makes sense. They're, you know, it's wow. post-war. They need something else to create in these warehou- in these um, mm-hmm. um, factories that they were creating weaponry in before. So um, Remington, um, Scholes and his associates began a manufacturing agreement with Remington in the post-Civil War era. Um, they have experience with complex machinery. They have been fa- manufacturing machines. So the um, Scholes and Giddin is the newly patented typewriter with the QWERTY layout. And that's 1878. Mm. Um, by 1890, there are 100,000 QWERTY-based typewriters across the U.S. Wow. So that's sort of like this this tipping point. And there's probably a lot of things we could unpack about why, peop- why it was becoming more popular versus it hadn't really been before for mm-hmm. all those like hundreds of years. Um, maybe people were just more comfortable with using machinery, but the first typewriter did actually look more like a sewing machine. And I have a picture that we will post on the, um, website for, of like what it looks like. And it looks (laughs) like a sewing machine with a pedal at the bottom. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's like a full machine. It's not like you think about a, um, a a tabletop, um, like a desktop typewriter. It's like a whole machine, which is crazy. (laughs) And then, um, basically in 1893, the five largest typewriter manufacturers merged to form the Union Typewriter Company. They merged? Mm-hmm. And it's like um, Scholes and the Remington people, but like a couple of other smaller ones. They all seemed to be, from my research, pretty closely associated anyway. Like I got the right. sense that a lot of their machines were already being produced in the same factories. Makes sense. And so by 1893, they're like, let's merge. And also... They decided to use QWERTY as their standard. Hmm. Um, so it's the de facto standard. And that's significant because, um, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, when you start to think about companies like today, and they all have different, like we think about, okay, the f- uh, charger for your phone. <laughs> and at a certain point, our company's just going to decide what is standard. They have or to. Or going to continue yeah. to have other random, you know, like not everyone's mm-hmm. smartphones have the same charger. and. Um, oh well yeah i guess across certain except for apple i think a lot of phones for a while were using the same kind of usb and now Mm -hmm. we're all trying to get the usb c and trying to standardize but i'd say there's at least some form of standardization it's not at least all those same iphones you know for a while had the same charger but i can definitely (laughs) see how like keyboards for sure like you have to learn well that's exactly the thing is it's easy to just have a two different chords but it's not easy to learn two different keyboards so (laughs) it's especially important for things that we have to standardize Mm -hmm. um and so that that's the late 19th century that they're basically deciding that QWERTY is the way they're going to do it gosh can you imagine though like just I don't know if it did they know (laughs) the significance of what they were doing you know because to me the QWERTY is like that's how we text Um, it's huge oh surely not yeah actually as I'm gonna get to I mean um this this guy on this source I was reading I think it was on the Smithsonian magazine website he was saying like it's so strange when we think about today that our most bleeding edge communication technology still dates back to 150 years to some guys tinkering in their garage which is yeah, basically what Scholes was doing bonkers. um yeah so the remington uh after they were producing their typewriters what they would do is they would offer courses to train you on their keyboard meaning you would mm-hmm. then stay loyal to it if you were a typewriter and you were buying typewriters so businesses wanted to hire 
trained professionals. So they would need to buy Remington typewriters in order to have the trained staff who knew the right material. It's like if you bought your business a bunch of um, Mac computers and then no one had ever used one. Yeah. That's not even the same thing, but you know, like you wouldn't have as fast a typer as if you bought them the wrong keyboard, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the classes that they would offer kind of fit right into um, this sort of buy-in to make sure QWERTY was the standard. And then um, the, the, uh, the biggest contention, as I was alluding to, about QWERTY is that researchers definitely questioned the role of a, quote, mechanical error as the reason that he would have moved the keys around. So hmm. like the fact that they weren't in ABC order in order to stop Compute, um, mm-hmm. te- technology jamming basically is not true. Um, there were some researchers in Kyoto named Kyochi Yasuoko and Matoku Yasuoko, and they argued in a 2011 paper that the layout was influenced um, by how they were used, form following function more than anything else. And they specifically note telegraph operators as a significant group of early adopters because um, an alphabetical layout was more confusing for translating Morse code. What? So that is a very concrete example. And they had like lots of documentation to kind of show again with that ER huh. example. It's a, it's a myth because it's, it makes sense. You're like, yeah, okay. Why else would you move around the keys? Uh-huh. Why wouldn't it be in ABC order? But, um, but, a, but a functional use of it being people who use Morse code and I don't know Morse code, but um, it seems logical that you might put the keys in different order, so to make it faster to be able to yeah. to do Morse code. Gosh, yeah, you learn Morse code. Why? Oh no, because if you're like, no, what's the one Morse code is the SOS thing, right? Where you can go. Uh-huh, doo, it's the dot dashes. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's some some basic things you should learn. That's probably a good survival skill. Yeah, like a survival skill or um. I gotta go back to Interstellar. I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast again, but it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Interstellar is? Yeah. I know that Arrival is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the space. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely those two. But (laughs) I like Interstellar. Mm -hmm. So, with Matthew McConaughey, this is a huge spoiler for Interstellar. All right. I'm not sure if our producer had like 30 seconds if you don't want an Interstellar (laughs) spoiler. (laughs) So, um, when Matthew McConaughey um, goes into the future, and or whatever it is he's in the black hole and he has to use morse code from the books to like communicate to his daughter because he's, he doesn't he's going have into a, a different yeah r- a realm of time yeah right? yeah it's yeah like, um across a a fold yeah so just imagine time. you know if in like 10 years our technology gets so advanced that we're like superhumans and we need you know i just feel like morse code in is 10 years to learn. yeah 10 20 you know at the, th- at the rate things are uh escalating <laughs> i just feel like morse code could be a really simple thing to learn yeah. um in case i have to talk to my my future daughter um in a space black hole or your future time self continuum. yeah future self that's probably mm. more mm-hmm. yeah that's crazy or my past self because it was matthew mcconaughey <laughs> talking to his past self yeah oh, we just watched it like two weekends ago but I anyway to watch it again it's mm-hmm. awesome so yeah I, I think morse code is probably um super important it's, and i think other careers use it that we don't like think about like um like people at sea yeah sea or like um mm-hmm. ma- i'm thinking like mountain like drilling like all that kind of stuff where you might not be able to use like a language um side note i have to do a side tangent um i was watching this documentary um on reddit about this um language that's whistling like people whistle across, i feel like i've heard of that across yeah. the mountaintops because like they couldn't 
but you see, can tr- but, but they can could do these travel like, the sound. Yeah, yeah, these super loud whistles. That's and really I was cool. like, that is just incredibly fascinating. How- People come up with really smart things when they need to be able to yeah communicate. to do stuff. I think communication is like such a huge pillar of. Uh, I don't know, being human. It so. is. And having a standard keyboard yeah. is a complicated thing. <laughs> um. So yeah, Morse code. So all that to say, I, I see how Morse code could be something super important to make sure that the keyboard That would be influential. In exactly. Yes. Because at the time, I don't think a lot of people were like, you know, typing their diary or, you know, mm-hmm. there's like, there's clear people who would typing have, their who would have <laughs> had use of this of like newspapers or, yeah, um, yeah. you know, book authors or mm-hmm. people like that or businesses that might want to have something typed up but um but it's still weird to me to think because i i mean it, we we know qwerty because that's what we know but like mm-hmm. if they were an abc order i feel like i'd learn that you know yeah, like, it's muscle that, memory it's just what i would it's so strange yeah um so yeah telegraph operators are arguably a really significant group that probably had something to do with it mm. um mm. but himself continued to work on alternate layouts throughout his life and he actually filed for several more patents um on different keyboard layouts but the damage had been done so <laughs> by, by that point like he even kind of thought there were some that he created that were a lot more efficient um but we have QWERTY so obviously though since 1878 people have been trying to come up with yeah, different keyboard layouts to QWERTY so I want to briefly discuss some of those so one that's really famous if you google it is the Dvorak yeah um, which I've is heard of it. D-V-O-R-A-K simplified keyboard um in the 1930s it was developed by Dr. August Dvorak um for reportedly faster and more accurate typing due to the positioning of strategic keys on the home uh, line um, though lots of recent research shows it to be no more effective than QWERTY. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. And it's also, I think, um, quite a, a learning curve if you are used to QWERTY. Yeah, absolutely. So, mm-hmm, so people struggle with it a lot. So they're, those people who want to break from QWERTY but are finding Dvorak hard to learn would maybe be interested in the Colmac layout, C-O-L-E-M-A-K. And they were kind of using that ack yeah. um, they're trying to do a um <laughs> an alt version of Dvorak and that is 17 keys different from the QWERTY layout so it's fairly easy for typists to pick up um so if you are a person who's wanting to um man break from the chain and apparently you can even like there were when I was researching this there were websites that were like yeah like you can totally just go in and download some sort of thing to change your keyboard if you want to but you still would have to change the keys yeah, on your keyboard like <laughs> you still have to it. yeah and yeah, you could put like a covering like oh, my macbook I, I have like a plastic cover that goes on top so that, yeah like, crumbs and things don't get into my keys but i've seen people put like stickers on their um their macbook so which, they just can't see the keys um well i've seen ones that have like keyboard shortcuts for like designers um which mm. guys learn your shortcuts but mm-hmm. um or like people just decorating them like i've seen like gradient cute things so i can see how you could remap your keyboard and then yeah. put stickers on top of it to to have more efficient typing but i do also feel like at some point you just type fast enough like i type pretty fast like i'm yeah. like i don't think about it i look at my screen I, I type 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 yeah and like i feel like if someone was like hey you could learn this new keyboard and it'll make you type you know 10 words per second faster i'd be like but i'm fine like but i already type plenty here's fast a gr- so this you have led me into a great segue <gasps> great. which is the calc keyboard 
Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Because you might be really fast on QWERTY, ma'am, but how about when you get on your phone and you're typing with your thumbs? Oh, it's awful. Are you still as fast? No, I make a mistake like every 10 words. Uh-huh. It's pretty bad. Uh-huh. So the calc keyboard is specifically designed with thumb typing in mind. And it is, um, you can look this up on the internet, and it has two little quadrant <gasps> things. Cool. So they're like on, so it's like, you're not having to go all the way across the yeah. keyboard. You just have like, it's, it's, I think it's best viewed in a, like a vertical thing of your tablet on its side mm-hmm. and you have like the little left and right and then cool. the most common um letters are closest to your thumb so it is um two four by four grids with letters arranged optimally uh so the most common letters are clustered to minimize thumb movement that's insane uh-huh and so this is actually one of the things that if you look up a lot of keyboard information people are basically like the future is (laughs) mobile and we're typing with our thumbs and you know it's like how many times have you been sitting there and you need to write an email but you're sitting there typing it on your phone you're like I just really wish I could be on my computer so I could respond more quickly and so it ends up we're typing these like you know not as good emails as we would be if we were definitely I, I try not to email on my phone at all I just if I'm on my computer I'm working and if I'm not on my computer then I'm like not working and I don't send emails so that's like my thing but like even talking to people I'm I'm pretty prolific when I talk and I like to have full full sentences and periods and full paragraphs and I find that thank god for the little like word predictor thingy sometimes (laughs) or like where it like it like fixes your word for you um because I've I fly and now my thought about this is I feel like we're phones are the now, but again, in my example, we're just in case 10 to 20 years from now, we, we, we miss, go back to Morse code. We're actually, I feel like not Morse code, but I feel like we are going to evolve so quickly that keep like not even phones are going to stay around that long. We're going to go into holograms or go into, you know, I like, like glasses type of thing. So my philosophy would almost be like, don't even worry about, you know, revamping the keyboard right now for a phone because like it's give it 10 years and we're all going to be looking out of our glasses well and, and that's it's a good be eye movements or something i think that's a good point but i still think that it then it then goes back to like there's lots of people who'd say oh my gosh like why are we still using this old yeah. cordy technology that doesn't matter <laughs> mm-hmm. it's because it's so ingrained in us and it's people are people are trying to push the barriers and come up with something that works better for what we need to do now yeah. just like a form following function you know um function yeah, form yeah. following the function. So we, we find, you know, mm-hmm. we change what it is because of what we demand of it. Um, but it is interesting when you think about it. Um, and the, the Smithsonian article I was reading mentions that when a design, it depends on a previous innovation that's too entrenched in our culture like in mm-hmm. our culture it's known as a path dependency path so like dependency. all of this other technology like keyboards are such a fundamental piece of computing mm-hmm. technology and it's just become you know it's the standard um yeah um it, it's it's like too sticky <laughs> to go away yeah. um and what's endlessly more fascinating about this to me is that if you think about it we have tons of arbitrary systems and why did they stick around yeah (laughs) you know like even when we think about writing systems and counting systems and calendars and numbers and metric versus whatever the heck we use um (laughs) i don't know what that what Uh, it's called (laughs) 
Um, the American. Testing. Yeah, I think it's American <laughs> metric, actually. Oh, gosh, we sound so ignorant it's right awful. now. There is one, but yeah, we should change. You know, it. inches. Yeah. <laughs> inches and cups you know <laughs> gallons and that that stuff um but anyway yeah so the what's interesting about cordy is it hasn't really been along around that long in comparison to things like numbers and mm-hmm. alphabets that you're going to talk about so um it's it's fascinating that it is still kind of malleable um but i do want to bring up a couple of quirky oddball things involving Yay. keyboards that we probably don't think about or take for granted awesome um, so one would be back in the day when they first were developing typewriters, um, they didn't have lowercase and capital letters because, oh yeah, you would have to have two sets of letters. Yeah. Duh. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. So we take that for granted. So yeah. it was all capital letters. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then one other in original, on original QWERTY layout, they didn't have a one key. And they also said they didn't also didn't have an exclamation mark key. Oh, no. How did they show their excitement? Well, how did they type one? You got this. Oh, I don't. uh, I don't know. An I? Did it just use like. Oh, you're so close, though. Not an I, an L? Uh-huh. They oh, used a lowercase L. L. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lowercase L was a one. And if they needed to do an exclamation mark, they would do a period and then hit the, the manual back and then do an apostrophe over oh, the period. Gosh, and that was an exclamation mark. Oh, How about that? Just take a moment to, to value those people that, that took the time to, <laughs> to go add back one. to add the exclamation mark also. <laughs> Proud of yeah. you people. Proud yeah, exactly. Um, one other uh, note on keyboards is that for other languages, there are other keyboards as well. And so we have talked, I think we've talked about mm-hmm. this maybe a little bit on the podcast, but we talked about it in our friend group actually on Slack about language, how mm-hmm. language shapes shaped keyboard and how it pushed technology. Yeah. We're smart friends. We have, we have very intelligent. That's all we do is sit around and talk about, <laughs> talk about technology and smart people things, <laughs> which is not true. No, not true. We talk about a lot of ridiculous things. We do. Um, but the uh, the thing about so so the the existential question problem that I was having that I posed on our group chat for real is that I was realizing that we we have we have pretty advanced views now, hopefully of you know of um colonialism, and by that I mean like we can kind of look at it for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, but I wasn't thinking about even something like the. English keyboard mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of having been the be now the dominant keyboard yeah. um, but I also live in the United States and so I think that colors my impression as mm-hmm. well and when I was in um, when I was in China the keyboards were exactly the same they were full cordy with no differences um, but you would use if you wanted to type in Chinese characters you would use the the pinion so you had to know the Latin mm-hmm. sound of the character and then it would still because Chinese they're still like 27 characters that are spelled that way and so you'd have to know which one you yeah. then have to know which character you were looking for because it would bring up like a drop down but it was really tedious to type that way so lots of people would type on their you know like on your phone or something like that they would just type in pinion so they weren't always using the characters hmm. um now how you keep that language straight in your head with writing in pinion i don't know mandarin is very hard i yeah. studied it for almost three years and i barely scratched the surface so um but that was really fascinating we did have to use in my in my Mandarin language classes we would have to practice writing and pinging and then typing out like a, a paragraph and submitting it to your professor like and it was all in Chinese and it was 
so much work and also so satisfying. You're like, I wrote this. I wrote this paragraph about my family. (laughs) About my um, my career aspirations. Um, But uh, when I was 18 and I went to France, I was staying at the home of a school teacher. And she let me use her computer to send an email. And it was the Azerty keyboard which I didn't know the name until I was reading this and it was it's the one used in France <laughs> and it's QWERTY um keyboard but with A and Q swapped Z and W swapped and M is moved to the right of L okay is that literally it? Olivia <laughs> I couldn't type like no. every every time you just don't even think about where the letter m is and then it's like an l and all of my words yeah it took me forever to type yeah, on their keyboard muscle memory like, why are all these keys in there oh my but, gosh but most of them were in the right place but it was enough to like render me fully incapable i was pecking at yeah, the keyboard that's... and there were only five keys different <laughs> Um, but what they do is the shift key is used for numbers because the line that is numbers they use for their accented letters mm, so that yeah. they're much quicker mm-hmm. to get to, which is always really annoying on a regular keyboard yes. in the U.S. when you're trying to mm-hmm. add an accent. Um, there are a couple of others. The quartz one is used extensively in cent- Germany and Central Europe. And the difference is, is that the Y and the Z are swapped. And most special characters are placed by diacritical characters. So really small differences, but enough to make it basically yeah. unusable it, if, yeah, you're, if you're not if you're not used to it. So um yeah, there's some really fascinating um information on keyboards if you start digging into it. And there's lots of people who want to throw QWERTY out, and there's lots of other types that are around, but it's it's the standard. It's in our brains. Um, although tangentially, I was really good at T9 went before we had um <laughs> keyboards on our actual phones yeah i was super fast t9 typer. i think i was faster at that i mean in my head i think i was faster than that i'm sure I'm, i wasn't but gosh. no i was fast i could get kids a message out know. on t9 kids <laughs> don't know all right so that's keyboards. you dropped your notes so i'm assuming that i dropped my notes <laughs> i have nothing, she I have nothing left to say <laughs> Okay. Well, I'm going to tag onto what you were saying earlier about how things just sort of change over time and some things are sticky and some things aren't. Um, So keyboards stay around because they're a hardware, but language is a little bit different. Um, So I'm talking about the alphabet. The biggest question being, why do we sing the ABCs? Why is it in alphabetical order? You know, why is that such a huge, huge why thing? Why is because that the order? It's super yeah. arbitrary. It has no meaning. Like, why does it matter what, what order our letters in? And they're not even grouped by anything. It's not like, oh, all the vowels are front and then the consonants are in like that. A, okay, that is a great question. Yeah. <laughs> because why is it in that order? And why did it become anything? Because now we can't separate that because we mm-hmm. alphabetize things. We yep. alphabetize last names. It's like, a great it's way a of, yep. Whole system. Yep. <sighs> I need so, to know. So, yeah. This is good. This is intense, and I um, it's hotly debated. So it also has so much to do with language. And I was hoping that there would be a really simple, easy thing where it's like, oh yeah, the Greeks decided that it was the best way to. This is why. This is why. But there's not one of those. There's not a clear cut answer, which is really disappointing. And I apologize to everybody um, <sighs> because it, we use it so heavily, just like the keyboard. It's it's something mm-hmm. you know you're in alphabetical order in class, and it's how we sort our Excel files, and it's how you sort just literally everything. Yeah, um, A to Z. Yep, A to <laughs> Z. So this is hotly debated, and mostly because 
language is super complex. Um, there are a gajillion languages out there. It in language evolved over time. Um, if you haven't ever looked up like the tree, the language tree of like how languages branch it's off from each other, it is mm-hmm. it's fascinating. It's incredible. Um, and you kind of have to think about how language, even in the United States, is 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 different. I mean, we have accents, but you have to think about how those accents, like in a thousand years might shape a language yeah you know like even even in the south we tend to draw out our letters and we have y'all and that's a word here but it's not a word you know there and like a boston accent and- well and then you get into creoles um mm-hmm. if which if you look into like what that means linguistically it's like a, a bastardization of an, an a language mm-hmm. but you can still understand it in the other language so yeah. if you think about like that what that you know like um brad pitt in that movie uh, is it snatch no. yes yes i can't understand him and, he, at and but all he's like snatch. technically speaking english yes. he's speaking a creole but it's not right? <laughs> um but that's such a good example it's super fascinating and the, the note that english is not in the romance languages so we mm-hmm. associate it as being like oh it's like you know if you know english you can pick up spanish or french but that's like absolutely not true yeah. english is much more closely related to german mm-hmm. than to French or Italian or Spanish. Yep. And I'm currently trying to pick up on a little bit of Russian since we're going to Russia. And what Russia did, (laughs) they have a lot of extra characters, but then also they just decided, I mean, obviously they didn't decide this is so, this is whatever, but from my point of view, it's complicated. From my point of view, they shuffle the letters around. So like (laughs) M doesn't mean M and K doesn't mean K and L doesn't mean L. How do you even? I don't even, I have to really slowly look at everything and (sighs) it's very complex. So um, we're talking about the English ABCs right now. Um, So the most commonly known thing is that it was the Phoenicians um, and it was originally 19 characters which was only consonants it was only like the hard letters because oh, all the I other see. sounds just sort of came out as you were oh, speaking fascinating. Um, and this is 14th century BC so long time ago um, way before keyboard yeah way before <laughs> everything else um, so from here it gets really hotly debated but I'm just going to kind of do the most straightforward path I can um, so basically what happened is as you would as I was kind of referencing is you have to think about these things in thousands of years so imagine mm-hmm. you're using a language and then you've got a dialect over here and then a thousand years syllables and and shapes and the way your mouth is saying things it, it just changes and especially so especially if it's not written down yes right because yeah. you're talking about speaking. things not written down yep mm-hmm. so then around a thousand bc which is about 400 years later the greeks um kind of modeled you know their written language around that and then they are the ones that added the vowels and then this became the etruscan alphabet and then this became the roman alphabet and then this became you can see it just sort of oh, it sort of just sort of added on and i'm mm-hmm. putting this amazing animation up on the site where where this um awesome team i think it was university of i'm gonna i don't even want to say it's maryland or massachusetts it's one of those m words and whatever i say the other person will get mad um so it's a university and they they took the first line of the alphabet which looks pretty similar to what we've got today except some of the characters are um they just look slightly different and then they it kind of shows as the alphabet kind of moves and changes because Mm. it did as we needed more letters and needed more sounds they they kept adding um so we know it was Phoenician and we know it's kind of bounced around until it finally landed as it was today so it's kind of crazy that the consonants um were there first another kind of theory is that the alphabet can be traced actually to egypt 
Um, they were using hieroglyphics. However, it was like the foreign workers and foreign people coming in. They were like, we can't. What is, what is <laughs> like, you can't have a character for every word. Like it would be too many. Uh-huh. So um, it was like foreign visitors that helped like kind of um, created the first alphabet. And then that was kind of where the Phoenicians grabbed as well. Um, I mean, yeah. but that is so fundamentally interesting when you think about a language is that at some point at X thousands of years ago, mm-hmm. um, our ancestors decided to use letters and then letters in combination to represent a word versus like yeah. a, pict- a pictorial language mm-hmm. like Chinese or Japanese, yeah. which still has pieces of it that represent components but it's like it's altogether a different yep way of visually representing a thing it's, it's so fascinating it's crazy and like lovely and also kind of a way and how smart they were mm-hmm. uh, and i have to reference my other favorite say, space you movie, have to arrival. talk about arrival because that is <laughs> it it changes the way you think about ling- yes. about a language yeah so arrival spoilers for arrival for probably the next minute um if you haven't seen it johnny have you seen arrival Okay, we're not going to spoil Arrival, but it's awesome and it has really great languages, so we'll kind of back up. Um, well, I don't think it's a spoiler. Hold on. I don't think it's a spoiler if we mention that it's language, about yes. language because technically, okay, mm-hmm. if we encountered aliens, they're not going to speak our language and they might not <laughs> even conceptualize language in a way that we mm-hmm. ever have. And that's really what that movie is exploring. Yeah, language. Is how before we can even work together we would have to come together and they don't even conceptualize time the same way and right. so how do you mm-hmm. build a like they don't their alphabet anyway yeah. it's very so, cool yeah one of the main points of the movie and not you know try not to get too into spoilers but it's that and this is true language shapes the way you think think Correct. so people who are bilingual which is my fiance adrian is bilingual he grew up speaking spanish and then learned english at a very early age and so he knew both languages they actually think in concepts you know sometimes mm-hmm. when i'm thinking i can actually see like the, the english words kind of pop up in my head mm-hmm. and sometimes if i'm thinking about a speech it'll all kind of scroll in front of me and i think very much in like word 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 thing 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 whereas he doesn't necessarily do that he thinks in kind of big like shapes and and i think he goes with the flow a little bit more um but also he's picking up russian like nobody's business like he can already when i'm practicing yeah it's horrible (laughs) Uh, so when i'm on duolingo practicing and i'm like he's like bike i'm like what like how do you know what that is already like what what is wrong with you but if it just changed language literally changes the way you think um mm-hmm. so there are like certain words in other languages that because they have that word they think about that thing more often mm-hmm. um kind of the same thing we talked about it in a unpublished podcast that was a tester podcast is the color blue mm-hmm. that the ancient greeks and romans didn't actually have a word for the color blue and this is like a super popular thing um they didn't have a word for it so they actually didn't see it as clearly as we did they just didn't see that color they saw mm-hmm. it as green and, and it changes the way you think and that's way off of tangent from what the alphabet is but it oh, does no, but it, it very much is like we yeah. can't talk about the alpha without talking about the fact that it's like constructed <laughs> yeah it constructs your our, brain like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah so that's kind of the, the, they don't know a lot more than that other than it just sort of was shaped over time and it just sort of kept i mean they do believe i will say this they do believe that it is in the order it is because of teaching how do you teach someone an alphabet if it's not uh, okay. in a certain order you have to right? just set it up it's not like you just mm-hmm. have like a pocket full of letters and you're just like here you go so there had to be some <laughs> sort of way 
um, for people to kind of pass it down and teach in schools and teach to teach children and teach other people. Mm-hmm. So that's just sort of the order it was. It wasn't ever anybody kind of standing up or writing on a piece of paper or else he would have it. Yeah. Um, it was never some person saying, all right, here's the alphabet. It was just sort of passed down until someone finally wrote it down. And then you know it just what? was. That's a great, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And I have a trivia question for you. <gasps> trivia! Related to that. How do you alphabetize words in your Chinese language dictionary? Like by character, you oh see a character gosh. and you want to look it up. I don't even know. I couldn't even imagine because they're all by, maybe by certain shapes. Do they do it by shape? Like it's like a certain marking or You're something. Not far off. It's got to be a certain. Mark. So the first way, like the the first, the largest bucket is stroke stroke number. Mm-hmm. So if the character has six strokes to draw, and once you. No, once you start learning Chinese, it's pretty easy to, to, to determine what is a stroke. Then you go by the the um, like the character prefix. <laughs> so if there's like a part at the beginning that means water, and this is like the full character, but you can start to look at what the mm-hmm. pieces are. But like the part that means water, or the part that means woman, or the part that means tree, and then you find all those, and then you look through. It's still completely tedious and it wow. actually to me was like this doesn't seem like a language is even being a dictionary <laughs> but someone decided that, that because yeah. other languages can easily be yeah. alphabetized but you know it's that like that's crazy too if you think about alphabetization and then that's how we construct like how you even know how to find a word yeah before well, you could google search it that's you also know? how i learn so learning in learning russian i'm trying to read certain mm. things and so i'll go look up a word as i'm reading it and now if i couldn't look something up and then learn the definition immediately i don't think it would be very successful and now you have like the internet if you really needed to find it maybe faster but still that didn't really work for me for uh, for Chinese so you have to end up going to your dictionary and um that's like one of those moments where like wow yeah language definitely I've never had to think about how you would look up a word in Chinese dictionary oh that hurts my head um I'm lucky I I feel very grateful that we have the 26 letters actually I think they're they're nice they're neat there's no crazy accents Mm -hmm. or anything no offense to any other languages but um (laughs) So I'll kind of walk. So now from here on out, because we kind of know it just sort of happened. Like you can thank the ancient Phoenicians, in the 14th century BC for starting with a certain alphabet um, as to why. But now I'm going to go into a bunch of all my fun facts. So I like, um, I like fun facts about the <laughs> alphabet. This is fun. So Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. I'm spoiling this. This is if you haven't seen it, guys. You've had 30 years. There's like a yeah, 30 year statute of... Um, <laughs> of uh yeah having a letter so if you remember he's like going through the little the little thing um at the very end and he's like it's like the the clue is like you must follow the path of god or whatever like that and Mm -hmm. he steps on the j and it crumbles and then his dad's like he's thinking he's like no it's it's an i because in the early letters i's are used as j's it's yehovah not yehovah and so he steps on the i and it's good awesome so um the last letter added to the alphabet is not actually z surprisingly the very last letter added to the alphabet is actually the j I feel um, like I knew that, and I feel like I knew that because my name starts with a J. No, because oh. my name starts with a J. Oh, <laughs> so you, <laughs> Jessica. <that. laughs> so, um, originally the letter J was just a fancy way to write I, and it oh. just had a swash. So they just, it, it's just if you were fancy, you would just, if you felt like, but it, it you didn't. Would just add it no. had there wasn't a sound for no, it. Not yet. Um, so also, you know, um, when you're using bolded or a, a numbered bullet list numbered list or it's like one two three and then it goes abc and then it goes i iv 
da 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 da. Old Roman so, numerals. Yeah. So J was used in the, that as well. So in it was Roman used numerals. As, yeah, in ro- as Roman numerals. Yeah. Huh. I don't know why it took me so long to actually get to the word Roman numerals, but <laughs> so J was used there, and they were, but it was interchangeably the actual sound. So then along came this guy called Gian Giorgio Tristino. All well, and he had J's, J's in his name. All G's, actually. So, okay. Yeah, He was real pissed that there wasn't a J. <laughs> um, so in 1524, he actually wrote an, es- an essay that kind of identified them as two separate letters. Um, so he was like, no, you guys actually are kind of using it to 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 have a J. Like, you guys are using the I to have two sounds. And that's not uh, how we use our alphabet. I see. So um, it needs to be. So other people... Um, adopted his use of j but then some like languages kind of went back and forth so i and j are actually kind of really weird letters um so it's like beijing or jam j so if you ever if you've ever heard someone mm-hmm. say beijing instead of beijing like where it's a j mm-hmm. sound it just sort of depends on dialect and whatever language you're using because it can mean separate things um yeah that's Isn't interesting that it's also interesting because technically i mean if they're so closely related j is not an um a vowel and i is mm-hmm. and that's fascinating too like yeah they were so yeah connected and this was in the what, what 1524 so mm-hmm. if you can imagine for like thousands of years no one had no one said jam <laughs> no one, no one well said, they just called it yam yeah yeah <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> i actually wrote indiana jones exclamation mark exclamation mark in all caps because indiana i was Yums. really excited yeah indians. um okay so the actual word alphabet um, was from Latin, actually, um, and it's from Greek. It's Latin borrowed from Greek, which was alphabetos, which is actually just from the first two letters, alpha and beta. Oh, oh, that's so smart. Yeah, that's kind of one of those like that's a dirt great. kind of things. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, okay, so then, okay, so before I get to my last one, um, two kind of fun facts, everybody. They're... Um, if you know what a pangram is, that's important. A pangram is the name for a sentence that contains all 26 letters. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it's important because I use pangrams to um, sometimes look at typography and fonts. Oh, yeah. Um, the best known example is the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. And then another favorite one that I saw was pack my box with five dozen liquor jugs. Is I've another never heard one. that one. So, yeah, they use all the letters. And then I found something called a lipogram. Do you know what a lipogram is? Oh, and I downloaded it. Um, so the best known example of this thing is um, from Ernest Vincent Wright's novel Gadsby, but not not Gatsby, G-A-D-S-B-Y, okay. uh, Champion of Youth. And I downloaded it on Kindle. It's like a dollar. Um, it is a $50,000 novel in which the letter E, which is the most used letter in the alphabet, Never appears. He never uses the letter E in 50,000 words. I was going to say, you said $50,000, but you need oh, 50,000 words. Oh, did I? Words. I think you did, unless I misheard you. 30,000 words, which which makes up a novel. And he doesn't use the letter E? Yeah. So I downloaded it, and I started reading a little uh-uh. bit of it, and I was like, this is hurting my brain. What does he you don't use notice instead? It. So he just, um, he doesn't use Mr. and Mrs. because... Those are abbreviations for Mr. and Mrs., which hasn't, he doesn't use responded or asked. He just says said, and he uses names. And you kind of have to read it because it, it's really well done because you can't notice, you don't really notice it. Um, you don't notice the E's missing completely. It's a whole story. It's a whole complete story. I think it's about some sort of war and this guy in it. When was it, it um, written? 1939. Jeez. Yeah. He wrote on it for like 
five years, I think, four or five years, it took him forever. And some people were like, why are you doing <laughs> that? You like, no one cares. And he was like, why not? Right? Like, why, why not? <laughs> that reminds me of the um, when I did the Green Eggs and Ham backstory mm-hmm. on our minisode. And we it was like that someone challenged him with to come up with a, a book yeah. with less than 30 words, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think it was something like that. And, yeah. Um, yeah, like why dude like why are you doing that well all the other letters are still available for anybody looking for a creative project (laughs) (laughs) write something with no a or something um i wouldn't want to do it that's impressive yep and my last fun fact is actually a really big one is why do we sing the alphabet in that song i don't know you don't know this one i mean i would i would point again to education so um what do you think is first here we go um twinkle twinkle little star Twinkle, twinkle, right, A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. or Ba Ba Black Sheep. Ba Ba Black Sheep, have you any wool? Have you heard that song? I feel like I sing it a different way, but now that oh. I'm on the spot, I no, yeah. don't know. Ba Ba Black Sheep, have you any wool? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. I realized that when I was learning how to play the violin, and I <laughs> You're was like, like Wait learning a minute. how to play Twinkle Twinkle Little <laughs> Star, and I was like, this sounds a lot like the alphabet song. <laughs> I would imagine that Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is first, and we just okay. decided to put the alphabet into the tune you are half mostly right um (laughs) baba black sheep and twinkle twinkle little star were kind of around the same time and then we did we we fit abcs to that song um but the original song isn't even any of those the original song came out in 1780s and guess who wrote it um mozart mozart okay i was gonna say bach or beethoven or mozart Mozart wrote it in the 1780s and it was a um, a tune as a variation on the classic french nursery rhyme ah Vous diragez maman, which I actually looked up so I can make sure oh. I pronounce it. Ah, vous diragez maman, which means ah, what I tell you, mother. Oh, so he wrote it for sweet. a French song. Okay. And then they adapted all these other songs to it. And then it was 50 years later that an American music publisher, um, Charles Bradley, with two E's, B R A D L E E. I just wanted to toss that out there because I think it's funny. <laughs> um, put the put those lyrics to the catchy tune, and then he, in 1835 he copyrighted the song. How I don't know. How can you copyright someone else's tune to your song? But whatever. Well, if no one ever had before, that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about that in my book history class. <laughs> Um, and then the crazy thing is that even though he was an American music publisher, this was actually for German. It was for the German. Huh. Uh, so it was called the official patent or um, copyright is the ABC, a German air with variations for the flute with an easy accompaniment for the piano forte. That's the whole title of the actual song when you sing it. Oh, my. Yep. Yeah. And I um, there's a lot of really fun stuff out there about the alphabet and about how um, be- how the pros and cons of having it in a song, because most kids don't know that MN like <laughs> LMNPO, like they think it's all one one word because you say it so fast. Yeah. You're sort of like, oh, that's that's that one letter. <laughs> and then a lot of times they criticize that, like and not that this matters in everyday life. Like I've never been put on the spot and it's like, all right, start from R. You know, it's never been like that mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they say like some people saying it backwards is supposed to be like a good test for if you're like sober or not. But like I can barely say the alphabet backwards because it's yeah. not what it's it's routine. It's kind of like the keyboard like you're like we, like we were talking about is that. It's such a habit on um, um, saying, like singing the little mm-hmm. song and saying it in order that there's not really a need to say it backwards or. So that's the same thing with the all 50 states because I can sing all 50 states. Well, I used to be able to. <laughs> I haven't done it in a long time, but I feel like I still probably could. And I, if I try to say, even say them all, I can't. I have to sing them 
to to know them. Oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. so funny. Mm-hmm. I don't I know a song. It, I learned it in fourth grade. So. I tried to learn the Indie Maniacs song for um, the state capitals because my fiance Adrian thinks I'm a horrible person for A, not knowing the flags of the world because of, apparently that's just like a common thing that people Olivia, know. Olivia, you're a terrible human. Apparently, Why don't you know all the flags? Um, the flags of the world and then the capitals of all the U.S. states. And so there's like a little song that I tried to learn <laughs> and I got like eight states in and then stopped. So there's a couple of them that I know really well. Oh. I'm like, Helena, Montana. Got it. That one I got. But then I stopped after that. Um, songs do help memorization. But yeah. That's yeah. He's crazy about flags. Every time he sees one, he's like, oh, that's the South African flag. And I'm like, good to know. You could be making that up right now. Um, but anyway, so that's the alphabet. Kind of a loose origin, but also kind of put down probably just written down by somebody one time and that was just sort of what it it was because it had been spoken for so long and no one really we don't have official documentation that's like hear ye hear ye the alphabet Mm -hmm. shall be but there is uh, i will put up like the awesome animation that kind of shows how it evolved over time some of the letters flop around and then of course um w was an early like a later one yeah (laughs) um that's right. <laughs> w is Spanish, though, so yeah. it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then J was kind of added there as like a, hey, people, we need the, the je sound. So. Huh, that's cool. Yay. Um, order of Cordy. Isn't there, isn't there in Spanish where there's not really a J? There's a J, but like yeah, I mean, you a, don't say. I feel like there uh-uh. was a. I feel like there was a language I learned that just didn't use it or didn't have it because the French alphabet is slightly different. It's slightly different. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was not a A B C D E F G. There's a J. They just don't say it like an actual J. Maybe it's that's like, what I'm thinking of. Then I just swear that there's people who know the French alphabet are gonna be like Jazzy. If so, if I say, <laughs> I can't think of a sp- oh um I can't think of a Spanish word with a J right now because I'm put on the spot. But yeah, I don't think there's like a concrete J sound. But I would have Jalapeno? to ask. Yeah. They usually use it as like an H. They don't say it as like a. No well, one says then, jalapeno. Well, th- so everyone but that's, stop. If you're but that's what that. I mean. Is t- technically they don't need it. Yeah, they wouldn't need like the sound. Like shape Jose of, could mm-hmm. just have an H. They're a or little. H would be different. They are a little different though. It's pronounced as our H, but their their actual H is not uh, even pronounced because ora uh, like the, I the see. hour. Okay. Um. So the problem is that the H. The J does the H sound, and yes. the H is, does a different well, sound. the J does our H sound, and their H does our, like, longer O, and then their regular O. It just the, the presence of an H just makes it sound just a little different, like ora oh, versus, like, yeah, oración. I see, I see, I see. Those are good examples. Thank you. Well, everyone should go learn a language. I think everyone should. I've tried should. learning three different ones, and I've failed at all of them. <laughs> But that doesn't mean I shouldn't uh, try. Yeah, I would say Spanish is a really easy one to learn, especially I would I don't think any language is easy. I'm sorry, let me let me rephrase that. I think Spanish is a great one to learn because of its um depending on where you are in the country. It's easily accessible to learn it with somebody. Like there's going to be a tutor that's going and to speak to it. And to find a reason to speak it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I, I don't have ample reason to use my Mandarin, so <laughs> it left me. Yeah, but I I do feel like um there's a scene in Lady Bird, which is not a spoiler, but the, the guy is like, do you know French? And she's like, no, I'm 
learning Spanish because I'm in California. And he's like, well, I'm learning French because I want to go to Paris, which is smart to think about like why you're learning the language you're learning. But I definitely do think that learning a language is nice before you. So anytime any of my friends go out of the country, I'm always like, you should try to pick up some phrases from that language. You just really should. I just, I just personally feel like. I genuinely try to. Mm -hmm. So when we, when we were going through Central Europe, I would try and they would always just be like, that's very nice and give me the English menu. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Great effort. I think they appreciate it a little bit. <laughs> You're not um, doing so great. They really appreciated it in Mexico when I went that mm-hmm. I definitely tried to use my Spanish as much mm-hmm. as possible. In Spain, they didn't as much. They were sort of like, okay, we can speak English. You're fine. Whatever. <laughs> but because I'm about to go to Russia and because the World Cup is not just, it's not just in Moscow. It's not just in St. Petersburg. It's in this place called rostov and don I'm so excited like, about this yeah. experience you're about to have. <laughs> I am so nervous about this experience about to have. But I don't know how, I mean, I've tried to look it up, but I don't know how fluent their English is. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's a smaller town. I, I don't know if it's like an Atlanta, if it's like a Birmingham, or if it's like a small town. Ta- I, I just don't know. So it's better to be prepared, at least with like numbers, so you cannot get ripped off when like sure. paying for numbers, sure. days of the week, time, um, basically like bathroom, food, things like that. So that if I get separated from my brilliant fiance, who already knows how to speak <laughs> Russian practically, <laughs> Um, then I can make it, you know, I just feel like it's just a nice thing to do to feel a little bit closer to the culture. Yeah. Yeah. And to make you feel a little less terrified. Yeah. So that was our language tangent, but thank you. All right, guys. Yeah. Hopefully you can um, write in if we got things wrong, by the way. I don't (laughs) think we say that often enough, but we are just two people who are curious. Yeah. So we're certainly going to get things wrong and we're happy to correct them if you write in or if you have something interesting that we didn't talk about. Um, yeah, this is this is fascinating stuff. This is this good, is, this good, is a good juicy one. stuff. So, thanks, guys. The Origins of is produced in Atlanta, Georgia, by Johnny Stubbs. Follow us on Instagram at The Origins of Podcast, or check out our website, theoriginsofpodcast.com. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com/theoriginsofpodcast. Can I say all 50 states just to see you <laughs> say them? Yes. Let's hear it. And it doesn't have to go in the episode. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada. New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming. 
Yay! You go. I could not have done that. That was awesome. There. That was fourth grade. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> that was embarrassing.